So, well, it's, it's like Tom said, you know, before his part of the prayer time, it's like we, ought, we could really just go home. We've had the good stuff, right? But there's more good stuff, I hope. Um, well, I know there's more good stuff because I've already had uh, some massively awesome things happen this morning that have said, you need to bring this to the people. So, um, it, you know, it's funny. It's, okay. Whoop. Get your game face on, boy. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, if you live in Ohio, then you love spring, okay? And you just do. I, th- I don't think very many, especially like the southern states, you know, like Florida or Arizona or those places like that, they can't appreciate spring like we do. Some of the northern ones may be a little bit more than us, okay? But Ohio's a nice place because we're sort of moderate on both ends. But nevertheless, we get enough winter to where we've had enough winter. Anybody had enough winter? Yes, I've had enough winter like four weeks ago. It was plenty enough winter, right? So, but now we're getting ready for spring. Now, again, I love spring in Ohio because you just had such a long winter and you're ready for it. Here's the thing though. There is this weird transition time and it's literally today. Okay, today is that time when all the snow has melted and you're able to see your front and backyard. Okay, in fact, driving into the church was a living example of what I'm talking about because now that all the snow is melted and everything's been rained on, anybody see those giant ruts? You know, you're like, what went through that? You know, but no, you, you hear me on that? It's this time before all the things have started growing because that's spring. The green, the flowers, the trees, the smells, the warmth of the sun, all of that, right? So we haven't gotten that yet, but we're over the hump of winter and now we're in this all the yuck stuff. We have two dogs, right? Okay, and guess what? You see all the yuck stuff that the snow covered over in winter time, right? That's the time we're in. Here's the thing about it, though. I love this time. Why? Here's all the yuck stuff, but guess what's coming, right? You know it. As sure as the sun rises and sets, springtime is coming, right? So we can deal with the yuck to get ready for the good stuff. Now, I say that because guess what? It is all about relationships, folks. And there are times in our relationships where we have to see the yuck. We have to see the bad stuff. We have to see and go through that because we know springtime is coming, right? Uh, We've been through a series, Bitterness, Disappointment, Okay, I want to go to Matthew chapter 18 today. It's on page 695 in your pew Bibles, but it's Matthew chapter 18. We are going to start with verse 15 of Matthew 18. Now, just like BL said, wonderfully so, um, sometimes when you're not prepared, you get the best stuff. And his simplicity of the gospel, he, he laser beam focused it, right? Because John 3.16, that laser beam focus gives us, reveals the heart of God. God did not send his son to do anything short of repair and restore our relationship with him, okay? He didn't come so that we could build big churches. He didn't come to fix all the circumstances in our life. 
uh, you know, the, the disciples of Jesus' day. He did not come to establish a physical kingdom here on earth. That's too small. That's nothing. Jesus came and it took the cross to repair the relationship that was broken all the way back in the Garden of Eden, okay? Now, here's the thing about the breaking of that relationship. When our relationship with God was broken, our relationship with each other was broken as well, right? I mean, we saw that right off the bat. Relationship with God is broken. Guess what's the first thing people start doing? Well, you know what? It was the woman's fault. And then it was the snake's fault. I got to give Eve props for not coming back on Adam. You know, I'm surprised she didn't go, whoa, whoa, hold on. It was his fault too. He was right there with me. You know, but anyway, you get me? Broken, broken. God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to fix it. Here's the thing though. As God fixes us in him, he says, now I want to fix you and everybody else as well, all right? Therein lies the heavy lifting of the Christian walk. The Christian walk, heavy lifting, is not in a set of do's and don'ts and rules. It's not. Easy peasy. Sure, Lord, give me 613 laws. Those are, that's the easy stuff. No, no. The heavy lifting of the Christian walk is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus... Jesus, in this wonderful passage in Matthew 18, is going to give us some relationship tips. Now, I do need to do a little bit of context here, because Matthew 18 starts out so good. It starts out oh so good, right? It starts out in the very first verse. I know I said we're going to start with 15, and I'm reneging on that, but we're going to go with verse 1, okay? At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? So there's that question. By the way, this question cropped up in many forms in several different times in the course of Jesus's ministry with these, with these 12 disciples, right? They really wanted to know who is going to be the greatest, okay? But what are they really asking? They're not really asking who's the greatest. They're asking who gets to boss people around, right? I mean, you, you remember, my favorite one of this is James and John, the two brothers, and, you know... They, who did they get to go talk to Jesus? Anybody remember the story? They got, I, I love that. Things do not change. That is awesome. They get their mom to go to Jesus and they phrase it in the form, you know, of a question like this. Uh, who's going to sit at your right hand and who's at your left? You know, and she's hinting, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, my boys over there, right? And every time Jesus turns it on its head. It says, you guys do not understand how things operate in the kingdom. It's not about bossing people around. It's about serving. Or in this case, Jesus says, you, you, think, you think it's the most powerful they get to tell people what to do. What Jesus, with this question asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus gets a little kid to come forward, right? And, and you got to understand, back in the ancient Near East, kids were literally lowest on the totem. So this was one of those mind blows for the disciples that Jesus would say, you got to be like a little kid if you want to be great in the kingdom. In fact, Jesus then starts to put value on children that, by the way, they did not have value. In fact, you look at history and most of the time children don't have value. 
It isn't until the kingdom of God starts to spread across the globe that children start to have value and start to have rights, okay? That, that is a Christian model, okay? That is from the heart of God. The world says, I have this kid, I can do whatever I want with it, okay? That is the world that is the enemy talking. Not, not, I'm not going to rabbit hole, but I mean... If, if the enemy can get us to destroy our future, physically destroy your future, if the enemy can get, I mean, that is an end goal for him, right? I, I don't think I mentioned this, but I heard on the radio uh, the other day, this is Catholic radio I was listening to, and uh, they said the two most dangerous seasons in a person's life in America is coming into the world and going out of the world. You just think about that. In lieu of where our culture is headed, the two most dangerous times is coming into the world and going, okay, sorry, rabbit hole done. We're off the podium. So Jesus says to his disciples, you got to have uh, an attitude, not just faith, but you got to become like a little child if you want to have any position in the kingdom. He's flipping everything on its head here. Now, understand, this entire discourse is going to be about relationships, So we're going to skip all the way to 15, kind of the heart here. But in 15, he says, if a brother or sister sins against you, go and show them their fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won them over. But if he won't listen, take one or two along so that every matter may be established by the testimony or two or three witnesses. Let's push pause really quick here because I want to hit this point before I forget it. Notice here what you cannot do, okay? And what you cannot do is commit the first result of the fall. Remember, Adam and Eve in the garden, they they break the covenant with the Lord. And what's the first result of the fall? The first result is the Lord comes into the garden and he says, hey, where are my my kids at? Where's, Where's Adam and Eve? And what's their response? We were afraid, so we hid. The first result of the fall was a withdrawal from the relationship. Okay? Now, anybody here have a relationship that goes south and you just are sick of dealing with it? Hmm? What is our natural tendency? It is to what? Withdraw withdraw. I, I, I am a stuffer by heart. I am non-confrontational by heart. I am a professional, possibly, I'm not bragging here, Olympic class withdrawer. Okay? I can withdraw uh, with the best of them. I can distance myself. I can see someone walk into the room and I can make an exit before they even know I'm there, right? Oh, I can cold war like nobody's business, Okay? Guess what? The Lord will not leave well enough alone. If you have a relationship in your life that has hit Cold War status, if you have a relationship that you have withdrawn from, you know what? It's just better not to deal with it. It's better, And I have plenty of excuses. Again, Olympic class withdrawal. I can give you plenty of excuses why not to engage. Okay? Again, non-confrontational. Anybody here? Come on. Folks, represent. Thank you, Claudia, at least somebody. Steffi, that's not true. Anyway, so, um, 
Plenty of excuses not to engage. Here we have this one right here. If someone has done something to you. Now, I, this, is, this does not happen. This is something that has, has injured you, something that has affected you, okay? This isn't, you know, uh, Tom accidentally cuts me off pulling onto the highway, okay? You know, or, or Kirsten back there. She didn't say hi to me on Sunday morning, you know? She just walked on by. Well, you know what, TJ? Big boy pants, brother. You know, she's got a lot on her mind, you know? So, not li- but you know what? If there's something that's affecting your relationship, you hear how everything's about relationship? If there's something that's affecting your relationship, you got to do something. You have got to act. There is no withdrawing. Now, uh, you, you have this experience where someone has injured you, okay? Uh, and you say, well, the Bible says I need to go to him and talk to him about it. Okay, fair enough. But what about if you don't have an issue, but you know someone has an issue with you? Does that make sense? You, you don't have the problem, but you heard, oh, you know what? Paul's upset with you for some reason. Okay, well, I have hung my laurels on Matthew 18 and forgotten Matthew 5. Matthew 5, let's, let's zip real quick here, says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Ah, darn it. I wish I could just, I could hang on that half. No, no. In other words, the Lord has said, Jesus says to us, either way, whether you have something against someone or they have something against you, Jesus says what? The relationship is important. The relationship is important. You see, th- this is not about, um, it's not about uh, just airing out your dirty laundry or you feeling better about the relationship. It's not just you getting it out. The whole point of relationships in the scripture, all of it is restoration. That's the point. The whole point of Jesus Christ is restoration. He restores. He redeems. Okay? There is no... Now, this is hard work. This is not easy stuff. If you have had to deal with people, people, if you've had to deal with people that, you know, again, you know somebody's got something against you and you're, what is the big deal? But you know what? You need to go and hash it out. Or you have something against somebody and you don't even want to go to them because you know it's going to be a big explosion, there's going to be a big fight or what, you know, but you know you have to do it, right? It's, there's nothing more important. It's hard work. It's hard work, and it's not easy work, and it doesn't happen all in one day, okay? Again, you you know, I I think the fact that Jesus came and lived as many years as he did before he even started his ministry, right, is I I think there's a, I, I see in that God almost saying, you know what, some problems take a lifetime. Some problems take a lifetime to heal. Some problems take a lifetime to fix. Some relationships are not going to be healed in one sit-down conversation. That doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we get to abandon them. That doesn't mean we get to write them off or to say, well, I'll see them in heaven someday and it'll all be good. The goal of relationships is restoration. That's the goal. That's what you have to look towards. 
Again, it's not for you to just air out dirty laundry. It's not punitive. It's not to punish, not to judge. The goal of relationship issues that you're working through is restoration. Now, truth needs to come out. Truth needs to come out. You, you have to bring truth out. And you know what? Feelings are important. Oy vey, feelings are important. Ugh. Anyway, uh, and kids, wife, husband, feelings, oy. Anyway, you, you have to work through them. All right, sorry. Back to, back to the text. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. It could literally be as easy as this. By the way, the better I get at heading things off, at dealing with them immediately, the easier it is to deal with them. Anybody here testify to that? You know, that's one of those keys I had to learn the hard way, that when I want to withdraw is when I need to engage. By the way, in my most intimate relationships, that is the hardest. When Barbie and I are having a row, my natural inclination is what? Withdraw. And I literally have to force myself to engage, right? Sometimes engage means continue the conversation. Sometimes engage means to go and kiss her. When I don't want to kiss her, and I can tell you she does not want to be kissed, <laughs> right? Because you're having the, but you know what? You have to, do, the quicker I do it, the quicker things happen, right? So Jesus says, you go, you dish. By the way, you notice here what he's, he doesn't say, go and tell the church as step one. He doesn't say, go and call your mom. Goodness gracious, don't put it on social media. Seriously, people. Some, I think some people need to have like a, a social media account that goes to a trusted person first. You know what I mean? Our president could use this. How does Donald not have someone that filters those tweets? And yet, I'm not, God bless him. I mean, I don't know. These are crazy days we live in. Wow. Anyway, I mean, he threw Ann Coulter onto the bus. What is he? Sorry. Anyway, uh, so go to them, hash it out. But if he won't listen, take one or two brothers along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Again, this is not a my side versus their side. That is not the goal. And, and by the way, when it says get one or two brothers, I don't think it says get people that are going to agree with you. In fact, when I talk to people and it gets to this level of having to include other people, you don't want someone that's going to take your side. You want someone, well, let me put it to you this way. Uh, whenever I do marriage counseling, um, one of the first things I tell the couple as they come in is, uh, I'm not on your side and I'm not on your side. I'm fighting for the marriage. Okay? And that's true, not just with marriage, it's any relationship. You don't want someone who's on this side or that side. You want someone who's fighting for your friendship, fighting for your relationship. Now, we'll get to an awesome thing in just a second here, but okay. So uh, verse 17, if he refuses even then, then go ahead, bring it to the, to the group, to the church. And if he refuses to even listen to them, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. By the way, that doesn't necessarily mean you cut them off. This isn't excommunication here, right? Understand that how pagans and tax collectors were to be treated. You know, how did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? How did he treat them? 
they're my lost kids. They're my lost kids, right? He treated them with love. Now, fair enough, fair enough, there were boundaries. Yeah, I, I get it. The Pharisees, you, you're eating and drinking with tax collectors. You know what? When, when Jesus ate and drank with the prostitutes and the tax collectors, the sinners, uh, you know what? There's probably shenanigans going on at those parties. I get it. I know the Lord wasn't doing the shenanigans. The Lord was going there trying to rescue his kids from the shenanigans. You with me on that? So there's boundaries here, which is what Jesus is talking about. Boundaries are good. You have to have them in healthy relationships. Boundaries, good. But love and restoration is always the goal. Love and restoration is always the goal. Now, I tell you the truth, verse 18, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, now, of course he did right? Because Jesus just said, you've got to do the heavy lifting of the relationships here. You've got to engage. You've got to love. You don't get to just write people off. Even at the very end of the day, if they won't listen to you, and you'll have relationships like this, you will have relationships where you go and you say, look, we need to get this friendship fixed. I'm really hurt. You're really hurt. Let's work through this. And they'll say, I don't want to. Okay? Maybe it's someone you have to send a letter to and they never write you back. Or you send them a Facebook thing and they won't friend you. Or I don't know what it is. You, know, you, you have some people that will turn their back on you. You are not allowed to turn your back on them. This is not bad. This is a good thing. This is a good thing because this is the heart of God. You hear me? God wants you to have his heart. And God's heart is the God of a loving parent who never turns his back on his kids. He, he doesn't go down into the pig pen. He has those boundaries. But when the kids, when he sees the kids on the horizon, what does he do? He's the father that runs to them. He runs to them. Even if they turn their back on him, he will never turn his back on them. We are called to have the same heart. We were made to have that same heart. If you don't have that heart, if you have a heart that turns your back on someone, then it is a wound. It is a wound. It's not functioning right. It is toxic. Bitterness and poison in relationships is toxic. It will kill you. I, I'm not just speaking like th this is literal things. I have seen people suffer from health problems due to stress in the relationship because they won't let go and be healed. <sighs> then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? <sighs> Every one of us born after Adam and Eve are born lawyers. As much as, I, as much as I have good lawyer jokes, we are all born lawyers. How many times, Lord, until it's, until, you know, how many times? Because I'll give them once or twice. 
Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I don't know what fool me three times is, you know, I don't know. You know we, got, we have things like that. They are natural, you know. I'll put up with it once or twice or, you know, whatever. How many times, Lord? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times. Or Peter says, up to seven times. And I think Peter's like going for the seven perfect number. You know, what do you think, seven? I mean, three times, but I'll double it and add one. I don't know. Anyway, he says seven. And Jesus says, not seven, but 77 times, or Luke says 70 times 70, or various. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. The question is not how many times do I forgive, but how, how hard am I in this? This is the question of a parent. How many, a loving parent, not says, how many times do I forgive my kids? Loving parent says, how long until the relationship's restored, Right? And for a loving parent, the answer is, I will wait till my last breath. Okay? All right. Um, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who went to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle the accounts, a man owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, that sounds harsh, but it's completely legitimate. The guy owed the money, which, by the way, is a loot. The amount here is ludicrous. It's ludicrously high. Some commentators said that a, a modern equivalent might be up to $2 billion, okay? So Jesus is giving an amount here that is ridiculously, ludicrously high. Okay, so this guy owes the king $2 billion, right? And the king says, you know what? You owe it. Here's the punishment for it. The punishment is you and your family and your wife are all going to be sold into slavery to repay this debt, okay? The servant falls on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Again, the, the parable that Jesus is telling here gets ludicrous, okay? Look, can anybody here pay back $2 billion? Anybody in the room? You know? I mean, this is what, what the servant here is saying is crazy. So the amount here is crazy. What the servant is saying is crazy. You're not going to be able to pay it back. The servant, servant's master, however, does what? Takes pity on him and cancels the debt and lets him go. Now, can you imagine what a great day he was having? I mean, think about that. You go before the king, you owe this money, or the IRS gives you a call. Guess what? Back taxes time, you know. You're going to be sharing a jail cell with Wesley Snipes, you know, or something. Love that guy. Anyway, uh, the servant's master takes pity on him, cancels the debt, and lets him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, I used to think this was like chump change. But again, the commentary, uh, one of the commentaries I read that said it could be upwards of $2 billion said that this equivalent would be closer to like $5,000. Now, $5,000 is a little bit more manageable, okay? $5,000, but, but that is not chump change. To most of us in this room, $5,000 is $5,000, okay? I mean, that's not chump change. This is something. Now, it ain't $2 billion, but it's still something. Nevertheless, nevertheless, 
The servant finds it owes him a hundred denarii. He grabs him, begins to choke him, and says, pay back what you owe me, he demands. This, this parable is so simple, anybody can get it, right? His fellow servant falls to his knees and begs him. Again, you see the same wording. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. Same wording. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went out and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on the fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, the the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother. Now, do you see the next words? I really wish it would have just had a period right there, even though they didn't have periods back in the Greek. But if you just stop that, you know, unless you forgive your brother. But it says what? From your heart. It is easy for my mouth to say the words, I forgive you. Okay, so the physical part of me can forgive. It is easy for me in my brain to say, I I forgive you and I want to forgive. Okay, where's the problem? The problem is we are physical, we are mental, and we are spiritual beings. And God does not worry about the physical. He's really not that concerned about the mental. Okay. The spirit, however, is the the inside of the tree, okay? And so the forgiveness cannot now... I believe that this is impossible, that it it is something that the Lord has given to mankind that they cannot do. You cannot forgive your brother or sister Without, not really, not truly, not from your heart, not in a restorative, powerful way, not in a way that will make that relationship so much better, okay? Because restoration is not back at the status quo. Restoration is a thriving relationship, okay? God does not restore us and forgive us to the status quo. God restores us and forgives us, boom, there your life goes off. It is for freedom that we've been set free, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and power, okay? So you cannot forgive, truly forgive from your heart the way Jesus is describing without the help of God, okay? Now, here's the thing. Do you remember just a few verses earlier where Jesus used that wonderful phrase that we use for church all the time, especially when numbers are low, you know? You have church on Sunday morning and a couple people come in and what do we always say? Well, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the, right? And we, sounds good. And it's true, fair enough. But here's what I want to say. That verse, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst, that is directly applied to relationship issues. There is a sense in which God is present everywhere. He is omnipresent Okay, his eyes are everywhere. He is everywhere. He knows what is going on at all times. But there are places where God's glory gets laser beam focused. Where God says, I'm going to give extra power. I'm going to give extra measure. 
I'm going to give extra focus to what's going on in this specific instance. And when you're talking about restored relationships, God is extra focused. For the children of God, this is insane comfort. Because you don't go into your relationships alone. You go in with the power of God. You go in with the Holy Spirit going before you, paving the way. You say, well, TJ, what do, you, what, what do I do? What do I do? You have a willing heart. You say, Lord, I will go where you want me to go. I'll love who you want me to love. And then you walk through any doors he opens. What does that mean? Okay, in practical terms. In practical terms, this happened to me several years ago. I had a person, we had an issue, and I said, I don't want to carry this anymore. They probably don't even realize there's an issue, but I can't seem to get over it. Anybody? Come on. And I said, Lord, uh, I forgive them. And the Lord said, okay. And I said, well, Lord, I said, I forgive them. Isn't that enough? And he said, no, Matthew 18, TJ says you got to forgive them from your heart. Okay, well, I want to forgive them, Lord, but I, I still am carrying this around. So, Lord, I finally got to a place where I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? Well, guess what? I drive to Kroger, and wouldn't you know who I ran into, right? Now, the Olympic class withdraw, TJ, would have seen them and literally tried to exit the store, or the other one, you know, just avoid them altogether. But I realize I just said I want to forgive this person to the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, is, is there, okay? And, and now I've run into them, which is not a common thing to happen. So what did I have to do? I go up to them, hey, I'm glad to see you. Next thing we know, I'm saying, listen, I need you to forgive me because I, I can't get past this for some reason. This happened, and next thing I know, they're apologizing. I'm sorry, I didn't even realize that I know you didn't, and I don't know why it's a big deal, and I'm sorry because I've been carrying this around, and that's not what I was made for. So you know what? We pray in the middle of Kroger, and we exit, and people probably think we're crazy nut jobs, but that's what you do as brothers and sisters. You know, if you don't know how to do anything else, if you can't stand the person, and you know what? There are going to be brothers and sisters in Jesus that you're going to have issues with, and you can barely even stand to be in the same room with them. Hear me on this. Where two or three are, there the Lord is, okay? And if you are talking with a brother or sister... Okay? And you can't agree on anything else. You can at least agree on one thing, if they're a brother or sister. In fact, in fact, again, go back to whose side, right? Guess what? The Lord ain't on your side, and the Lord ain't on their side. It's a story about Joshua, and he sees the, the Lord, and, and uh, Joshua says, Whose side are you on, Lord? And the Lord goes, that's literally in the Hebrew. No, it's really not. But you get the idea. You know why? Because the Lord goes, I'm not on anybody's side. That's the wrong question. The question is not, am I on your side? The question is, are you, the Lord says, on my side? Restoration in Jesus Christ. Restoration in Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, We did that one. God is present powerfully. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray this prayer, and then, and then we'll be dismissed. Jesus, I have grown too old. Make me a child again. 
I give you permission to unleash your power in my heart and my relationships. I lay down my right to anger and hurt so that I can know the freedom in forgiveness. Help me in this, Jesus. Amen. Father God, we thank you and lift these prayers before your throne. God, I thank you that you will not leave well enough alone, that you will come into every part of our life and every relationship, and you want your power to be unleashed. Father God, we pray, Holy Spirit, we lay down our right to anger. We lay down the bitterness. We lay down the hurt because we want relationships restored. Father God, humble us. Humble us. We may have to hear hard things. Lord, help us when we do. Help us to receive it. Help us to speak the truth, but in love, Lord, in love. God, teach us your kindness and your gentleness. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, tribe. You may go in peace.